We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Blake 7 episode, Traitor, by Robert Holmes. A pleasant rebel is being questioned pleasantly by a Federation officer. He reveals all their plans and is sent on his way, back to his rebel friends. Fortunately, his rebel friends keep him away from their base for a while, because the Federation are tracking him, and they kill him with missiles, thinking they've destroyed the rebel base too. On the Scorpio... The crew are alarmed at the rate the Federation is re-establishing itself. Planet after planet are falling rapidly to the Federation. Avon surmises that there must be a new weapon, and they must try to find out what it is. Unlike the Liberator, the Scorpio is a slow bucket of bolts, and they must be very careful. But with Orak's help, Avon is working on a way to improve their speed. Orak farms the job out to some Federation computers elsewhere, to Avon's amusement. Soon... A new Federation-appointed president-elect is sent to the planet. Here, he learns of Commissioner Sleer and her pacification police. It's a new arm of the Federation with a weapon that renders planetary populations docile and manageable. The rebels decide to try to get into the Citadel again. The rebel leader hatches a plan to swim under the reactor and succeeds, where he meets Tarrant and Dana, who have teleported in. They meet with a rebel's contact a Federation officer named Lights, who is the newly appointed aide of the President-elect. He gives the Rebels info on the current fighting and a possible way to make an assault on the communications matrix. He also supplies Tarrant and Dana with information about Commissioner Sleer's pacification program. It uses a drug called Pylene 50, and it renders anyone completely docile and manageable. They go to try to get a sample. Meanwhile, the president-elect is murdered by an unseen assailant, and when questioned, Lights reveals to the military commander that he is in fact a double agent, working for Sleer and supplying fake information to the rebels. With the traps he's set, they should all be dead soon, including Tarrant and Dana. Tarrant and Dana meet the creator of Pylene 50, a pitiable man who is being tortured and coerced by Commissioner Sleer to produce the drug. They get a sample of the drug and a prophylactic. Realizing that Lights betrayed them, they get the drugs to the Rebels, who take on the Citadel with immunity. During the battle, Tarrant and Dana see Commissioner Sleer. It is Servalan! She escapes them, and they escape the planet, and not a moment too soon, because Orak's use of the computers has been detected, and search ships are hunting for the Scorpio. On the planet, Lights confronts Sleer. He reveals that he now knows she's actually the former Empress, Servalan, who was thought killed and all her supporters were purged from the government. If people knew she was alive, she'd be killed. He offers her a deal. Power for him, for silence for her. She offers him a counteroffer. She kills him, after which he agrees to be silent. Tarrant and Dana break the news about Servalan to the rest of the crew, and Avon is almost pleased, because he needs to kill her himself. Okay, so, um, traitor. What do you think? Mm. Um, Trader by the great Robert Holmes, I might add. Oh, yeah. Great Robert Holmes. Let's not talk about the director. <laughs> okay. Mm. Overall, hit or miss, then. 
Uh, um, it's like overhit. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I have to admit, I'm disappointed in this story. If if we can call it a story, um, you know, Robert Holmes is usually pretty good for turning in a cohesive plot. Yeah. I, well, this is the second Blake Seven that he's done, to my knowledge, and the last one, which I didn't I didn't write the name down. I'm really mad at myself for not doing that. Was and we, you and I both thought it was like one of the strongest episodes we had seen in a run of what we thought were mediocre. And that was incredibly powerful, very well told, uh, very tight, very good with the A B storyline. And this one, while I think the story itself had some potential, I think the direction of it uh, went really sideways. Hmm. I, I'm not as um I'm not even particularly crazy about the story. I mean, it's just so sort of episodically um, – I, I don't really feel like it, it comes together neatly. Um, you know, we have the, the rebels and, and they're just doing their thing and their kind of conflicts and concerns and worries. And, um, and then – I mean, yes, they come together briefly with Tarrant and Dana and then they, they have a little fight at the end. But we don't even know if they won the battle. In fact, I think they didn't. I think they lost on the planet, but I'm not sure. Um, so that kind of fizzled out. Mm-hmm. And and then we have the the, uh, the the kind of the through line. Well, it's only a brief detour, really, for Forbus, the inventor of Pylene 50, and his plans to blow up Servalan, which I, I thought he'd rigged himself to nitroglycerin and could yeah, blow what, up. Yeah, what, where did that go? She was standing right next to him, and he, uh, he acts he did like nothing. he was going... Yeah. And then, and then she's like, I'm going to withdraw this drug for you for three days, and that's going to kill you about another 10%. And then she turns around and shoots him, mm-hmm. which didn't make a lot of sense because um, I thought that was – I thought there was something about him that had to be there to make the Pylene 50. Exactly. So, yeah, there, there's some, there's some, yeah, there are a few odd oddities here, and that was probably the biggest – and we have the whole subplot about the president elect, which this is this one is a little weird to me. I guess he's the planetary he's the planetary president elect, and so it's really kind of a I, I want to say it's a minor job in the Federation, really compared to you know being president of the the, the High Council or, or whatever it is. And I guess he's was or was not. A loyal follower of Servalan? He clearly um, knew who she was. Oh, he knew who she was, and I think that's why he was uh, eliminated. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's definitely why he was eliminated. There's, there's Along with her no portrait. Right. There's no doubt about that. But he he was telling Lights, or the, the, the military general, I forget which. Cute? That, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, not the eye patch one. That's cute. Yeah. He was telling him about the how Servalan had been killed and how the High Council the president took the took the Federation back from her and had a purge and everyone who was loyal to her was basically eliminated and he said I myself was imprisoned for some time. Which kind of imply and he was a long term civil servant. So it sounds to me like he was loyal to her when she was in power and then not loyal to her when she was out of power. Mm. So he's kind of a turn. So, but I mean, he knew her and 
he'd managed to get himself out from under a death sentence, but then Sleer kills him because he obviously recognized her. And uh, and the previous governor, of course, of the planet was loyal to her. That's why her portrait was in his in his office. So it's sort of important to the idea of Servalan hiding. But you got to figure in the seventh century of the new calendar or whatever the heck they're in, probably everyone knows what the empress. You know, that was one of the things that, yeah, that's one of the things that really makes this story uh, the the big part. Actually, yeah, it makes it really fall apart. Uh, And I even made a a note of that, uh, that, uh, oh, how did I put it? Um, Oh, shoot, I can't even find the note, and I know that I wrote it down. Um, But I, I thought it was kind of odd that in that time, nobody would know what Servalon looked like. Looks like. Right. I mean, they may never have met her, but she doesn't seem to me like the modest type. So I, I don't think she's going to be, you know, not on TV. In fact, I'm reasonably sure that Servalon was probably out there on TV all the time and probably on Twitter at three in the morning. Um, you know, I, I, it, it just seems like she was out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, who, yeah, who would not know who she was? The freaking empress. Yeah, exactly. She wants everyone to know who she is. Precisely. I mean, the woman has got quite the ego. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, she's got the brains to match. So it's it's not like you know her ego's writing checks that it, you know that it can't cash. It but cash. but she but. still she really did enjoy putting herself out there uh, when. And, and she did it always at the right times. But the fact is, yes, people knew who she was. Her name went far and wide, as mm-hmm. did her image. Yeah. I'm sure everybody had to know who she was. And, and all of a sudden, now she just materializes as this sleer person, just does not really come off as convincing. I would be far more happy with this if she had blonde, long hair. Or yeah, something. Something to, to, I mean, yeah. To try to not something. look like Servalan. I mean, she looks way too Servalan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't look any different um, at all, except she's not wearing white. Right. But it was, <clears throat> yeah, so that one strains my credibility a little bit on this on this particular episode that we have to, you know, I can see this if we we're talking about the British Empire in the 19th century. Well, of course. Then, oh, you know, oh, nobody actually knew what Queen Victoria looked like in the backwaters of India. No, I mean, she could have but, easily, I, I mean, it, it's it's even been told in in, uh, in in some older stories, you know, Shakespeare, how you'd have some, you know, monarchs that would hmm. actually just walk among the people just to get a sense of what the people were thinking. And, and because they were so far removed... The people had no idea who it, who that person was, but this is like um, wow. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would I wouldn't even begin to guess which century it is. I, I don't even recall. It is. I think it, it's either the seventh or eighth century of the new calendar. It's like eight hundred years after man's space flight began, or something like that. So by this point, uh, everybody knows who everybody is. I mean, like, let's take Blake for example. Mm-hmm. I mean. No matter where Blake went, people, people, knew, people knew, knew his name, though. 
Well, they knew the name. Well, there, there's some people that did recognize him because My his name face. Is Blake. You may have heard of me. Well, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. You know, come to think of it, I think this is a, a probably a bit of a flaw here on on the show is that they are working on the assumption that everything is uh, is old style radio. Maybe you know, hey, you know, this is projecting. You know, this this is nineteen eighty something mm-hmm. projecting. I mean, the idea of electronic transmission, uh, you know, visual records and things like that was still rather futuristic and so it's possible that when the, when robert was writing this and when uh when terry nation conceived the show that the idea of uh, a person's identity uh being broadcast all over the universe was probably unheard of could be could be just yeah just bad future Bad future Projection. writing, yeah, exactly. You know, you're, you're applying a modern standard of identity to... Anyway, um, just a couple things before I lose my train of thought. I thought of the names. Killer was the first episode Bob Holmes wrote. Ah. And that was the one with the mummified alien... Yes, that was cargo. such a great episode. And Gambit, that was the one where they were <clears throat> on the uh, planet, the gambling planet where... Uh, Avon no. and Villa broke the bank. Huh? Re- that was Holmes. That was Holmes. Oh, I'm I'm dis- I'm distressed. <laughs> and he's got this one, and he's got one more coming up before the series. Is I'm it? actually I'm actually really shocked. Um, I loved Gambit. Really? Uh, I I need to go back in my notes. I thought I didn't like it. <laughs> I thought it was kind of weird. It is weird. It's it's, it's very weird, and it's sort of um, creepy. And it's um, I remember Crantor and his sort of implied peccadilloes oh yes uh yeah it was it was was creepy but anyway um this one is is not one of my favorite bob Holmes stories though no. I have to say. well he's not been a 100 percent winner i mean every once in a while he i mean even with doctor who there were a couple of stories that he trotted out that i thought were a bit on the weak side so he's not infallible mm-hmm. he's not infallible no um but but generally speaking you know, he's one of the top... He's He has a good reputation. Right. And, of course, he was a story editor for Doctor Who for oh, a long course. time. And during one of their better one of their better periods. Um, um, let's... So, having dispensed with such as the plot, and the... Um, at the end, we were revealed that Servalon's had to kill 26 people so far to keep her secret. <laughs> yeah. Kind of weird, really. The whole, like, uh, she almost looked wistfully sad that she's had to kill 26 people so far to keep her secret. There was almost something psychopathic about that. Uh, if you want psychopathic, let's talk even. Hmm. He's off the deep end. I mean, we asked this question before. Is that the new Avon normal? And I think... I think it is. I think, I think we're getting, we're getting it. The new, yeah. Yeah, we're definitely getting it. He's... And not just his last line about, I want... I need to kill her myself. He's got that, like, when Su Lin is talking about the fact that Villa doesn't seem to like Tarrant. And uh, and <clears throat> interesting, the relationship between those people was very different. Villa was very busting on Tarrant. Uh-huh. In this episode, more yes. so than More than so usual. than, oh, absolutely. I mean, this and, was a very, a very angry, intense Villa. Mm-hmm. And Tarrant, yeah. Didn't seem to... Tarrant is Tarrant. Care. care. Um, 
And and Avon's line about um, and when Sulin says you can't say anything, and Avon just kind of gets that creepy smile and he has sort of his purpose. He has, he's he brave and young and he's handsome. handsome. Three reasons to hate him. him. Yeah, there was something a little odd about that, and it it did not. It it felt very forced as a as an acting performance, but it felt very. OTT, I think is the phrase. Yeah, yeah, over the top. It was really yeah out of place for Avon. I mean, Avon has always uh, he he's he's always kept. He, I mean, yeah. Oh man, I, I can't find the phrase, and it's really pissing me off here. But one of the things that was always so delightful about the way Paul Darrow played him is that there was a certain subtlety to every line, uh, and and even though maybe the tone was the same. Uh, all you had to do was just pay attention, and it had more layers to it than, say, what you know, what, what Gareth Edwards was doing with with Blake. And you, with with Paul Darrow's acting, you always got the feeling of less is more. And here we got more is stupid, more is weird. He is he is, <clears throat> he is definitely playing this like there's a psychotic edge right underneath. Yeah, his. Uh, everything's sort of amuses him it, it's almost like that last smile at the end of terminal uh is you know that's it he's cracked and now i'm gonna be like that you know uh one more notch up and he'll be the joker mm. um although although it yeah it feels almost like it's a game to him now uh even though it's a dangerous deadly game th- there's a sort of feeling like he's I don't want to say not taking it seriously, but just, you know, there's amusement to it, to him. And I almost, this is kind of, I'm going to put this out there. That bit where he's talking about Tarrant to Su Lin, and he's kind of, well, he's playing Tekker from Time Lash. Mm, there. Yes. That, that, that is the performance. That, that yes, is it is. Richard Third over the top. Yes. Kind of, uh, you know, I'm I'm almost wondering if he was hitting on Sulin, and I in a in a sort of weirdly twisted way that that he is trying to express humor to her at that moment, and not not sly humor, but let's let's have a laugh because I'm crazy kind of humor and. Uh, <laughs> Because I can't see him doing it to any other member of the crew hmm. that way. So I don't know. I, I it, it was it was tough to read that one. I I didn't get that, but you're you're right in what you just said. That is a very difficult scene to read. Um, I, I I I don't I don't I I just don't know where where Avon was coming from. When he said all that to Sulin, it, it like again, it was such a bizarre performance on Paul Darrow's part that I couldn't quite uh, nail down any motivation uh, in terms of why would Avon act in this sort of way. It, it just mm-hmm. it was so out of place. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I have a couple little points that don't really make any uh, importance, but. Um, there is a scene where the general, the colonel, general, commander, is talking to Eye Patch guy. I think it's Eye Patch guy, and he's talking about the Wasis, group of people that they gassed them. 
Mm-hmm. And then they came over the top that night and killed all the Federation troops because the Wasis are gill breathers. Right? You caught that one in, in, the, in the course of the story? Now, we've had this discussion before. Are there actually any aliens, non-human aliens, in our galaxy? We've seen hints of it. You know, are the Aurons actually aliens or are they adapted humans? We don't know. The only truly alien species we've ever seen are either the galactic uh, invaders or Sill. Mm -hmm. But everything else has been Earth colony seemingly. Well, they've been very, very, very humanoid. Well, but they've At all least. been kind of colony planets of Earth, too. And it yeah. doesn't, it, you know, it, it, every reference has been, this was one of the first planets colonized, and then the Federation took well, over. Well, there's even talk of that. There, uh-huh. there's, there, there's even a mention of that. There's a discussion on yep. Scorpio about how, uh, you know, pretty much all life came all from life. Earth. And that's disputed. One person says, everyone knows, all life started on Earth. Came from Earth, and Sulin says everyone's a, the opinion is we don't know why she thinks that. I mean, they don't get into the depth of this discussion. No, about it, but apparently it's widely thought that everyone comes from there originally. Well, and then for some reason Sulin doesn't want to agree with that. Maybe it's because she hates humans. I don't know. Well, Sulin just we weird. And then we have them referencing the Wasi in this episode, who sound to me like they're probably not human descended but i don't know but i i pointed out because they have kind of scrupulously avoided most aliens throughout the course of this show everyone has kind of been earth colonists or seemingly earth colonists throughout the entirety of the series Mm. well it could suggest that uh the federation at least when it was at its at, its, at the height of its power was uh, an extraordinarily xenophobic government. It could have gone out and killed only any aliens they found. That's a possibility. Yeah, which would then explain why we just haven't really seen that many but, in the know, show. I, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting that they brought it up in this episode twice. Basically, one example of some non standard humans, and then a discussion of that. And we have talked about it on past episodes about whether or not. That how that how the galaxy shakes out. So it's interesting that they don't seem to have a quite a plan either. Um, just seems like Holmes is kind of kicking the idea out there to to toss it around a little bit. Mm. Okay, Avon seems enormously amused when Orac passes on the booster design modification. Yes, he was to to the point another, of laughing in his amusing maniacal way. Um. I, I'm kind of pleased. That's something that Orac is built to do. Delegate? That's, no, that's what Orac was designed to do. He's uh, supposed to be able to use all other computers true. to achieve his To achieve his goals, yes. That's, that's one of the things that they've very rarely used. And for them to put that in here, I thought was, um, I, I, I appreciated it. Um, but... You know, I think it was only done to, A, have Avon give a laugh, and B, to put them in a little bit of jeopardy, which could have been done in any any of a number of ways mm. that they were detected. Or So I, I, 
again, I, it's just something, a detail that was thrown here. Like so many little details in this episode that was thrown out there that doesn't seem to go anywhere. It just seems to be... They're just, they're just there. Mm-hmm. Now, Pylene 50 suppresses adrenaline. Oh, yeah. Which makes people more pliable. Makes no sense whatsoever. None! Absolutely none. None. I mean, if you couldn't... I, I mean, suppresses adrenaline. Does that mean you don't produce any adrenaline anymore? Because I, I think you might die. Possibly. If you didn't have your adrenaline. So I'm guessing it means it doesn't allow you to, like, squirt adrenaline when you get excited. But that wouldn't make you pliable. That would just make you... Not quite so... Easy to, easy to pick off. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be... You, you wouldn't be very... Uh, reactionary, violent, you wouldn't so much have the fight-or-flight syndrome. Yeah, your fight-or-flight um, response would be absolutely uh, cut. So, I mean, you just wouldn't do that. But I would that would you not still be antagonistic towards the people you were mentally antagonistic to? They murdered my family and everyone I love, but I'm okay. No. I have no adrenaline. Yeah, no. No, that, it wouldn't be that way. No. Now, that's... I mean, granted, I wish they had not bothered to try to explain that. No, I mean, we we understood, you know, Blake 7 is not exactly what you would call hard science fiction. But you do need to have the ability to still, you know, suspend disbelief to some degree. And, yeah, as you just said, they shouldn't have explained that because the moment they did, uh, I just thought, well, that's the dumbest thing they've done in a long time. Uh-huh. That was a that was a. It pretty... was a very bad move on their part to explain that. There was so many other possibilities, and you know, and the greatest thing is they just. I mean, they didn't have to explain it at all. Really, just say you know, it's just some chemical reaction that allows them to be more pliable, and that's all they got to say. And will we see Pylene fifty again? Because I doubt it. They've killed Forbus, who was apparently important because he wouldn't give up his secrets. So Servalon had to have him, but but apparently. Pylene 50 production has to be on the planet you're using it because it doesn't have a shelf life. Right. So they can only pacify one planet at a time because you only have one Forbus and one Commissioner Sleer and one pacification police. And now they don't have Forbus, which means they don't have the the the, the technique, even though the equipment's all... I don't know. No, it was... Uh. It, Without it, what you know? I know because um, there was something. Yeah, unless they've got other uh, piling fifty uh, manufacturing plants on all the other planets, it's the only thing I can see. But then, where does Forbes come in? Why is he such a key figure uh -huh. in the production of it? That doesn't make any sense. Apparently not, because Servalin killed him anyway. <laughs> I know she kills him, but so why keep him alive in the first place? Why torture him that way? Yeah, I ah, mm, bad Bob Holmes, bad Bob Holmes, naughty. Yes. Um, how about that Citadel? So we have the kind of kind of weird outer planet, mm -hmm. which I give them I give them full points. I don't know what that thing was, that place with a sort of. Streamy thing with sort of roundy, bumpy things. Hmm. You know what I'm t talking about? Where the rebels were out in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like obviously man-made lumps. And and when I'm saying I don't know what it is, I'm talking about in real life. What kind of what kind of place that was? It's I not don't a quarry. Know. No, I, I've never seen anything like it. I have it's no idea what a that was. Very bizarre landscape. Mm -hmm. 
So in that respect, it's kind of like, well, it's kind of cool. And then they sneak into the Citadel, which is 100% a studio-bound jungle set. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Why, why, why did they think that was a, made any sense at all? So you've swum from the sewage reclam- reclamation plant, I don't know what that thing is, into the fake jungle, which is where everyone lives? Is that inside the walls? So they built that a jungle was, inside the wall? Well, I, that's the way it made it sound. Uh, when Hunda finally got there, I mean, he he seemed to kind of... In, you know, imply that uh, he'd made his way into the wall, and I mean, there he is talking yep. to, to, uh, to to Dana and Tarrant. Yep. After he's having in swum- the citadel, yes, he's yes. in the citadel, and it is very studio jungly. Studio jungle, yes. And there is not a sign of a building or uh, anything. I think there's like a, a fallen over lean to or something at one point, but apart from that, very very strange. I I thought that was a. a that's either the world's worst budget technique or the director was just nuts. I wonder if this is some kind of strange uh, leftover from the sudden green light that this series got. Because as you, as you pointed out, it was not supposed to go to season four. <sighs> I, and yeah. at the last minute, it did. So they couldn't they couldn't put up a couple of fake walls in a street or something and you know meet me in the alley or it, it just I, I this don't is know. the this is the BBC it doesn't matter if it's the, the theater division or the TV division doesn't matter it's still the Beeb I don't know uh, that one t- took me out of it they ran out um, of money they couldn't do the location shot anymore yeah that that one did that did it was very it was jarring. Very jarring to go from uh, a, a location shot to a studio shot like that, uh, and I mean it's one thing when it's outdoor to indoor. That's you know that's one thing, but outdoor to outdoor or fake outdoor, right. real outdoor to, to real, fake outdoor. Out, real outdoor outdoor to fake outdoor indoor outdoor. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, indoor outdoor. Yeah, it was. It's really jarring. Yeah. So at, at the point where Avon says to. Um, the crew, you know, we have to investigate this. We are going to investigate this. Whatever, whatever it was, he said. And and Villa has his cutting line. Blake would have been proud of you. Oh yeah. It's like and and Avon's response. I know, but he was never very bright. He was never very bright. Yes, I thought that was a rather interesting line. To my, uh, actually, um, I, I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, not what's that supposed it. to mean? I really didn't know. I mean, and this is the second. I mean, I to me this was sort of a second Blake comparison. Um, there, there was something earlier uh, when when Avon says that he wasn't going to run because he had to find out. You know, I must find out why the old colonies are being conquered so easily. I mean, that's a Blake line, really. It's not well, an I mean, Avon I, line. That that I mean, to me that that really smacked of something that Blake would have said. And now you've got this. That that Villa throws out, you know, and says, you know, Blake would have been proud of you, and he says, yes, and he wasn't very bright, and and it's like, so, so what are you trying to tell us, Avon? That um, I I don't know what you're trying you're to tell doing us. Something stupid? Yeah, I mean, is that what you're saying? That you're being an idiot? That you're not being very bright? I I don't understand. It was it's a very odd line. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to pick on Blake, but um, yeah, since he's dead and know. gone, we'll never see him again. 
Right, but at the same time, it... Yeah, I mean, I think... All right, <clears throat> let's let's go back to our two-season arc of Blake's evolution from idealistic freedom fighter to... To nut job. Pretty much, pretty much obsessed win at any cost. Mm-hmm. We're now in Avon's second season as the leader. Mm. And it's his time now. I think I think that's part of what it is. I, I do think too. Seeing he you know, it may not be for the same reasons. Oh, who as knows? Blake. Who's who knows what the reasons are? Uh, I mean that we've never it's yeah. Persecution, defeat, uh, you know. Well, I mean, the, the thing is Servalon getting the best of him. That's the only thing I can really uh, think of. Uh, it's it's an ego thing because everything that we saw in the beginning of, the, of this show during uh, the Blake era, I mean, Avon was, was very motivated by profit and wanting to stay alive and just be left alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and then, of course, he takes over after, after Blake's demise and – for him to do this this shift into um, not just a survivalist, but I mean, unless uh, he feels that his survival uh, is in jeopardy because of the Federation, that's the only thing that I could think of, and I'm and that's a reach. Well, we do have the dialogue about how um, it's apparently Avon's plan to use Zenon base as a base of operations. Right. Which Villa doesn't like. And then, you know, looking at the speed that the Federation is expanding, they think they only have a couple of years at that base before the Federation gets there. So he's clearly thinking differently, strategically. Oh, but then totally. You'd have to with the, the Scorpio because it doesn't have, you know, standard by 12. Right. So yes, you have and, to you have to adjust your strategy. But if he their way out, then they've got to fly a long way to get to anything interesting before With, they before yeah. So all they can do is really if they want to be uh, practical and productive against any Federation strikes or, or any kind of strike that against anything that uh, is, is a threat, it's got to be something something that's pretty close. Yeah. Well, and although that explains, you know, partially why they're working on improving the booster design of the ship, they're hoping to make it faster and and better. But <clears throat> that's um that sounds like a fool's errand at the moment. But anyway, um, I don't really have anything else. I mean, I I little disappointed in the episode. I I, I am pleased to see Servalan back. Well, she's always a good foil. There's no question about that. Um, Dana should have <laughs> shot her on, on the, the spot. spot. Tarrant should have shot her on the spot. Both of them were standing there. Oh, that's another thing. Why were they fighting hand to hand? Oh, and bad hand to hand at that. Bad hand to hand. But I mean, they all came in with guns. Yeah. They got shot with the ray, which didn't have any effect on them. And then instead of shooting the Federation troops with their weapons, they went into hand to hand fight. Now I know we had that whole nonsense thing about the. <clears throat> Uh, the hand-to-hand fighting, you know, these people on this planet are fantastic hand-to-hand fighters and and uh, do that. But that didn't really pay off because it was such a lame – it was such a lame fight. And it made no sense that they didn't just shoot them dead while they're standing there with guns. Because they had no problem at all. The rebels had no problem at all shooting with guns when they're out in the field. Right. 
when they came under attack by a group of pacified people, they just shot him dead. They didn't rush at him and hand-to-hand fight with him like they did here. So, I, I, it's like they forgot they had guns, which they had to do. Otherwise, they would have shot Servalan mm. on the spot. You know, trying to put myself in their in their shoes, trying to say, well, if I were a desperate uh, rebel that's been bested, yeah, not a shot Servalan on the spot. Or at least taking a shot at, it. or maybe you'd miss, but at least take a shot. Yeah, I mean, surely you don't think that there's any redeeming quality to her that you know it's like well the sanctity of life i really can't uh, well they, i mean even even if they tried to take a shot and it missed at least there was an right. attempt right not just dumb stupefaction stupefaction <laughs> stupefaction stupefaction <laughs> um which is what we got out of them. Yes, it's true. Servalan too. Yes. She's like, whoop, and then kind of ducked away, but not, yeah. All right. Got anything else? I got nothing. Seriously, I, I got nothing on this one. I mean, this, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll have my summation simply, well, I, you know, in, now that we've talked about it, I think less of the story than I did when I watched it. <laughs> I like and well, maybe, another successful podcast. Well, it's look the joy out of another episode. Well, here's the reason: it's because I wanted to like it, and it's because it's Robert Holmes, right? I really wanted to like it, and I was trying to find anything redeeming in it, and maybe so I kind of blinded myself into forgetting uh, the, the the misfires, and there's plenty of them. So at the time, I thought it was a good story. Of course, now in, you know now that I'm looking at it uh, 24 hours later, I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was it's it's a very disappointing story where they where a lot of mistakes were made. Uh, so you had that. Uh, I I did say that it wasn't his finest effort. I thought I thought maybe the story narrative was 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 very linear, which was nice. I mean, that's one of his strong points, but. The the detail was very sloppy, and and then again we come back to the acting, and this is where I am just absolutely, completely, um, uh, bespeckled. Uh, I'm trying to pull up uh, the uh, the casting on this because there's one the actor. Oh, you know, no, there there is one actor in here. It's the actor who plays cute, and I I thought it. Um, oh yes, Christopher Neem. Now, people may not recognize that name, but this guy, he's really famous for playing bad guys. Uh, he's been the bad guy in uh, you know, Babylon 5, but I, I think what, maybe one of his most famous bad guys is the episode that never really properly aired, and that was Shada from Doctor Who. The guy is like the – he chews the scenery beyond belief. Are and we he talking- chews- Okay, uh, the guy in Shada. So you're talking about the guy Skagra. in the white suit, Skagra. Yes. yes. Okay. All right, and then he's one of the Federation baddies, but I couldn't tell you which one. He was the eye patch guy. The, the eye patch guy. He's right. eye patch okay. guy. He, this is the one episode where he's actually toned it down. His acting is toned down. It was I the would go weirdest so far thing. That he was my favorite character in the entire. He was show. my favorite character in the entire episode. He was so. He was the. I mean. I, I, the weird thing about him is that I, I find him very compelling to watch, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, 
one of the most recent things that he did was uh, a first season episode of Babylon 5 called um, And the Sky Full of Stars, where he plays Night 2. And he is so beyond over the top. I mean, he's over the edge. He's over the top. He's over this, over that. I mean, he's just outrageous in his acting and, and the way he phrases all of his lines. So now we've got this, this episode here, and he's the one restrained actor in the entire show. Everybody is off the hook, just over overdoing it. And it was a very, very bizarre thing for me to watch. And I don't know if I don't know who to blame that on except the director. Because mm-hmm. I mean now the, this cast, okay, they're not BAFTA winners. Not really, but they're not bad actors. But this episode was filled with a lot of bad acting from our regulars. Especially, mm. especially Paul Darrow. I thought this is some of the worst acting I've ever seen him do. It's not very good. Um, yeah. I mean, be, you know, best character in the entire show? Slave. Yeah, which is good because he uh, he only had a couple of um, lines. I know, but they were beautiful. <laughs> they made me laugh. He was funny. He always makes me laugh. Orak was good, too. Um, but that's it. You know, Orak, a slave, uh, Colonel Cute, but the but everybody else, ick, just dreadful acting, and and that scene between Servalan and her boy toy, uh, lights, was just ew. What was I supposed to take from that scene? Do, do, was was lights actually previously romantically involved with Servalan? And when I say romantically involved, uh. I mean, like Servalan has been in the past with her underlings. She uses them for her amusement. And the and now he's just kind of uh, still filling in that role while he's talking to her about blackmailing her. Right. Or is this a new thing that just today, I think, I think today I'm going to start kissing her a little bit. No, I uh, think there was something, get there that. was something going on. And I, I think there's, there's a story that took place, uh, between the last time we saw her as Servalan and now that we see her as Sleer and lights is, he fits somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if she doesn't have lots of guys that she does that with. That, that that's what it was like when she was in the military, in command. So, well, that's how I, she gets ahead. I, she I uses people. I wasn't just wasn't quite sure whether that was supposed to indicate that that this was ongoing or new. I, I kind of got the feeling that it. I mean, it's it's new as far as we're concerned, but I get the feeling that it had been it had been going on for at least a little while. Another piece of the puzzle that doesn't really seem to be a piece we needed to see, mm. right? Yeah, I, I didn't. Because, I didn't need that. You're right. Yeah, I mean, not that you know, doesn't explain what her character is like, but it does not actually seem like the kind of thing somebody who is doing what she is currently doing, which is trying to claw her way back up to the top secretly, probably wants any romantic entanglements. Hmm. Um, but. One last question. Mm-hmm. Who was the traitor? Uh, the titular traitor. Well, to me, I I would have said that it was, well, you know, that's <sighs> the only one who's playing kind of both sides is Lights that I could see. I mean, I, the immediate 
idea would be lights because he was a traitor to the fifth column and he was playing traitor to the um, to well, I wouldn't want to call it the Federation but I guess I guess you know the, the, the government on the planet he was playing traitor to them uh, Forbes is being a traitor right Surland's being a traitor yeah I suppose he is she's a traitor to the Federation yeah. she's she's using her power the the rebel at the beginning in the very opening scene where the rebel is oh just yeah when he gives up everything he's a traitor, and I think that's what we were supposed to be thinking. Uh, misdirection there. Mm-hmm. This is a story about a way that they make people into traitors. I, I don't know. It's just one of those titles, like, okay, I guess they had to pick a word. And I, I don't know that this describes the story in any way. No, maybe Robert Holmes was, uh, maybe he was just, it, it was late. He had to deliver this episode. He had nothing, so he just... All right, one word title. Yeah. Oh, traitor, whatever. Here, take it. All right. Well, um, that's all you've got. That's all that's... I've got. I got nothing else here. That's all I got, so I guess that's all we've got. Um, next time, when we're looking at Blake 7, we will be looking at the episode entitled Star Drive. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder what that could mean. Very interesting. Yes, yes. All right. Ben, thank you for joining me. A pleasure. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.